0: Good morning! How is everyone this morning? For those of you that don't know me, my name is uh, Ryan West. I'm on staff here at Church of the Savior. I'm the uh, Royal Rangers Director here at the church, and on some occasions I get the the privilege and the honor of coming up here and preaching the Word to you this morning. Uh, One more quick announcement. Um, Every Tuesday night, we, we, we pray here at Church of the Savior. We are a house of prayer. Now, on Tuesday night, I believe it starts at 6.30. Is it 6.30? Is that correct? hope it is. Uh, we're going to be praying for Afghanistan on Tuesday night, so make sure that you come out for that. Uh, welcome to everybody online in the Simulcast Cafe. If this is your first time at COS, welcome. We hope you feel at home here, and please do fill out some information uh, for us. Uh, let's pray one more time. Lord, we want to hear your voice today, Father. We want to hear your call and no one else's call on our lives today. Help your servant today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have any uh, baseball fans in the congregation? Yes, good. More importantly, do we have any Cubs fans? Okay, I'm, I'm a huge Cubs fan. I mean, we're only like, what, 21 and a half games back? That's... That's, that's okay. Um, I think that there are some people who either missed their calling or some young ones over there that have yet to find their calling as uh, baseball pitchers because myself, uh, Mr. Fontes Hill, Neil Heffelbauer, our executive pastor, and one of our great servants here, Mr. Jeff Summers, uh, we became very close and very intimate with the bottom of a dunk tank on Wednesday evening, and uh, we got some Nolan Ryans in, in, in the house. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge baseball fan, uh, I played when I was younger. Uh, I've been to Cooperstown, anybody been to Cooperstown? Okay, well if you've, if you've been to Cooperstown, you know some baseball history, you very well could know who that man is right there. Anybody know who that man is? Yogi, Yogi Berra. <laughs> That's Yogi Berra, uh, catcher for the New York Yankees. Any Yankees fans? Okay, good. You know, it is okay to be wrong about some things. It's okay, Bill. It's okay. (laughs) And anybody know who that guy is right there? Hank Aaron played for the Milwaukee Braves at that point in time. Well, there's a true story about, about Hank and Yogi. Uh, Yogi, is the catcher, now the catcher is known for being the, the skipper on the field. He takes signs from the manager in the dugout. He, ha- he has to be like the smartest on the field, know the tendencies of the batters, the pitchers, be able to position everybody on the field. And another thing a catcher gets to do is, uh, is, is talk to the batters, kind of jaw at them a little bit, try and try and get in their head. So true story, and this is apparently during a World Series game. Hank Aaron steps in, into the batter's box, and Yogi starts to talk to him, and he says, uh, Hank, you're, you're holding the bat wrong, man. He goes, if, if you want to bat well, you want to bat correctly, you got to have the trademark facing you so you can be able to read it. You've got to be able to read the trademark. He's just messing with him. Next pitch comes in, and boom, Hank sends it over the, the left field wall. He trots around the bases. He steps on home plate, and he looks at Yogi, and he says, I didn't come here to read, I came here to bat. You see, Hank knew why he was there. He knew what his purpose was when he stepped into the batter's box. His purpose was to knock the laces off the ball. So I ask you, when you step into the batter's box of life, do you know why you're here? Do you know what your purpose is? It's a big question. Because if you don't know why you're here, people can mess with you, throw you off. The enemy comes up, starts talking to you, starts jawing at you, gets your eye off the ball. But you know, God is a God of plans, and God is a God of purpose. Psalm 33:11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. this next verse, uh, many of you all may know it very well. It's actually my wife's life verse. And if you all don't know who my wife is, it was that beautiful creature with the angelic voice who was standing right here, Mrs. Sarah West. And and by the way, um, Thursday is her birthday. So if you see her, wish her a happy, happy birthday. But her life verse is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your well-being, not disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. You see, our Father never creates, never does anything without reason. You're here for a reason. I'm here for a reason. The shame is, is that many people never get around to the reason. I think many people live their lives like a hamster in a wheel, always moving, but never arriving, just simply just existing. You know, there was a very popular TV show that ran from 1989 to 1998. Many of y'all probably know it. That was Seinfeld. Seinfeld broke all kinds of records, went to the top of the charts, at one point in time, had 35.5 million viewers. Now, the show was known for being plotless. Nothing nothing connected. Jerry would start with a little stand-up gag routine, and then it would go on into a show that really didn't have anything to do with anything. It was a Shakespearean much ado about nothing. Now, there was a study done as to why Seinfeld was such a popular show. And the study concluded that the show was popular because the people watching the the sitcom felt like they were in the same situation plotless having no point no purpose aimlessly going from situation to situation job to job place to place with no rhyme or reason unconnected i think many of us live an unconnected life do we have any sunday drivers anybody like to go on sunday drives my parents they love just to go driving and you know, and I get it. it it's, it's a nice day. It's beautiful. You want to be out in God's creation. But after a while, that's got to get boring. It's got to get old. Because you're not actually going anywhere. Perhaps you feel that way today. You're not going anywhere. Maybe you feel like you don't really matter that much because you don't have an ultimate sense of purpose or destiny. Or the word we're using today, and that is calling. Now, calling can be defined as the customized life purpose God has ordained for you to accomplish in order to bring him the greatest glory and maximum expansion of his kingdom. One more time, calling can be defined as the customized life purpose God has ordained for you to accomplish, nobody else in order for you to bring him the greatest glory and the maximum expansion of his kingdom now there are three characteristics of your calling that we're going to talk about this morning the first one is it is a created calling it's created calling your purpose your calling is your reason for being it's why you were made and you were made to fulfill your calling. A car, if it doesn't run, is not fulfilling its calling. If it just sits idle, not going from point A to point B. A guitar or a piano without strings isn't fulfilling its calling of making sound. It's not fulfilling the purpose for which it was produced. It's there, but it's not doing anything. For those of you that are in grace marriage right now, or you may remember Pastor Bill playing a grace marriage video, we learned about the Dead Sea. Well, really what the Dead Sea is, is it's a giant salt lake. Now the surface of the lake is 1,412 feet below sea level, making its shoreline the lowest land-based elevation. It's the lowest, lowest place on earth, And it's 9.6 times saltier than the ocean. Nothing can live there. No life. Water flows into it, but then it doesn't have anywhere to go. It is a lifeless existence. Again, it's there, but it's not doing anything. When we live life without calling, we live a dead sea life. No outlet, no progress, we're stagnant. God didn't create us to be stagnant. He created us with purpose. You know, God didn't just one day think, oh, I'm, I'm bored, let me, let me make some folk. No, he created us with a reason. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter one. Pastor Steve told me, he said, Ryan, take him Genesis to Revelation, all in one sermon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But it's in the beginning of the book. It's a good place to start. We're going to start in verse 14. I'm going to jump around a little bit. So I'll try and call out the verses if you're following along in your Bible. So starting in verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. That's that's purpose. That's for a reason. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and for years. Again, that's purpose. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, and it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day, and the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. That's the purpose, to rule the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. God didn't create the sun and the moon and the stars because he thought it was beautiful, even though it is, and he thought his work was good. He created them for a purpose, for a reason. Going down to verse 20. Then God said, Let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. Well, if God's going to create water, He's going to create creatures to live in that water, large ones. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. You show me a fish that can't swim, and I show you a depressed beast. They're meant to swim just as the birds were meant to fly over the water. Go to verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock of the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created you the correct gender. So God created man. God blessed them and said to them, here it is, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. God didn't create man just to create man. He said, no, I'm going to create man because I have something for him to do. You have something to do. I have something to do. Now let me tell you a secret. The created thing... Can't tell you what its purpose is. The created thing can't tell you what its purpose is until the creator tells the created thing what its purpose is. Let's do an exercise. Everybody here is sitting in a chair, right? Look down at your chair and ask it what it's here for. Now don't look at me, look at your chair. Ask it what it's here for. That chair can't tell you what it's here for. That chair has no knowledge of its reason for being that's determined by somebody else. God is the caller, you are the callee. No manufacturer produces a product until he can determine what it is for. And you don't make something if you're not able to answer the question, what do you do with it? God's the manufacturer, you're the product. And this is why you can never, ever find your calling apart from God. You will never be able to find your calling apart from God. Too many of us function outside of our divinely ordained reason for being, and that is simply existing. And when you simply exist, you end up creating the calling. You end up making things. When you do that, you do not have revelation or vision from the Lord. Proverbs 29, uh, 29 18 says, where there is no revelation, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Revelation refers to the words of God received by the prophets. When you don't hear from the Lord, you have no direction, you have no purpose, you have no calling. Now, Jeremiah 1.5 says, this is good news. Before I formed you in your mama's womb, I knew you. That is great news for the believer. God calls us in advance. He has things for you to do. Now, everyone who is saved, and that's where all this starts. It all starts at salvation. If you've not made made the Lord your personal Lord and sin bearer, that has to happen first. Because when God gives you the call to salvation, he can then give you the call to your life's purpose. And that purpose is always to bring him the greatest, everybody say glory, glory, and maximum, everybody say expansion of his kingdom. That's what it's for. Number two. It's a customized calling. Nobody has your call but you. You know, when you get to customize a car, you get to pick out the color, uh, how much chrome you're going to have on it, the size of the wheels. If you want to have the, the stereo system that can be heard down the block, that's what Pastor Steve has in, in his van, bumping down the street listening to his, his K Love. It's got all the bells and whistles. It's not just the same old car that's on the floor that everybody else drives off the lot. As children of God, you were made with specific bells and whistles that only you have because God gets to customize you. You know, the world will say, oh, you're so talented. God says, no, that's a gift I have given you to bring me glory and help expand my kingdom. That's what your gifts are for. We're not going to get into that today. Jesus, these are Jesus' words. John 17, 4. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. The Father called Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice. Only Jesus could accomplish that calling. It was only for him to do. It was his task to complete. So I ask you, what tasks has God given you to accomplish on this earth in this short amount of time that we do have? I love this next verse. Proverbs 25. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. In other words, If you're serious, you will search for your calling. And I believe the best place to find your calling is on your hands and your knees in prayer. Holy Spirit, what do you have for me to accomplish? What are my marching orders today, for 10 years, for 20 years, for what will last 1,000 years? What do you have for me to accomplish? You know, I don't want to be satisfied with simply just existing. I refuse to live a dead sea life. I don't want to be the same old car that's on the lot. Because I know that I've got all the bells and whistles that the Lord gave me. I know that I was made unique. I was made like nobody else I was made special, and I know this because my wife tells me all the time. She looks at me and she goes, Whew, babe, you are real special. And she kind of shakes her head and looks up to heaven and said, Lord, bless them. I don't know if she's complimenting me or not when she says that. But more importantly and seriously, I do know I'm special, and I know you're special, because the Lord says you are. That's what the Bible tells me, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. You have all the bells and whistles because that's the way God created you. And he made us this way. He made you that way to bring him the greatest, what? Glory and the maximum, what? Expansion of his kingdom. Number three, it's a comprehensive calling. I think a lot of times the reason that many never find their calling is because it isn't linked to anything bigger than themselves. And we just got done saying it. This bigger thing that God has called all of us to is to bring him the greatest glory and maximum expansion of his kingdom. That's why we're here. If you're a Christian, whatever God has called you to do will bring him the glory. Colossians 1.13 says, He has rescued us, brought us out of the kingdom of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. All Christians are part of the kingdom. Therefore, all work, no matter what it is, is kingdom work, even if it is quote-unquote secular. You know, we're not going to get into this today, but your calling may not necessarily be your occupation, even though your occupation should still bring him the greatest glory and maximum expansion of his kingdom. You know, I read a story about a woman who uh, used to input uh, data for Billy Graham. She was asked about her job and she said, oh, I just, I love my job said, inputting data? Really? Why do you love your job? Because it's my calling. I said, why is it your calling? She said, because God called her to expand the kingdom through the ministry of Billy Graham by using her computer background and skills. You see, she didn't just sit down to input data. Because every name that she entered into the computer was a person who responded to the call of salvation at one of the crusades. And she understood that that letter and that book that she was going to send that person had eternal value. And that gave her purpose. Not because she was called to input data. That wasn't her calling. That was just her job. Her calling was to support the ministry of Billy Graham. And in her calling, she did her job. Your calling is always bigger than you because your calling will always bring him the greatest glory and maximum expansion of his kingdom. So whether it's a lawyer, a doctor, some of you will be called to be pastors and missionaries and you won't be fulfilled unless you fulfill that calling. You could be a teacher, an engineer, a janitor. It doesn't matter what it is because if you are called... It has eternal consequences, eternal ramifications, and God will always be seen it and through it. Now this isn't in your notes. I can't tell you your calling. Pastor Steve, Pastor Bill, Fontes, Anthony, can't tell you what your calling is. Doesn't mean you don't listen to wise counsel. I'm so thankful for Pastor Steve and Bill and Anthony that have recognized things in me, giftings in me, that are now allowing me to fulfill my calling. But a counselor can't tell you your calling. A self-help book's not gonna tell you what your calling is. The Lord calls you. And again, I will say it, I believe the best place to find your calling is down on your hands and knees in prayer. Now, Your calling may be your occupation. I'm the Royal Ranger director. I've been called to the ministry of Royal Rangers. It just so happens that my calling and my occupation are starting to line up into one. But I know men who have served Royal Rangers faithfully 30, 40 years and never get paid a cent for it because they were called. Because they know there's a younger generation of men out there that need to be brought up with Christ-like character. And that's actually one of the ways you'll know you're in your calling. If you would do it and not get paid a dime for it. So everyone in here, and who's over there with COS Kids, and in, in the nursery, who feel called to serve a younger generation, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you very much. Now, when you do find your calling... It solves a lot of issues. It answers a lot of questions. And we're going to talk about three issues that calling answers. Number one, calling answers the issue of direction. You're not going to be that Sunday driver anymore. You're not going to be that hamster just moving around, not going anywhere. Now, Paul. Paul was a man of calling. He was a man of direction. He knew where he was going. If you don't know where you're going, you don't know what route to take to get there. Now, I believe in your notes, it says Colossians 9.26. There is no Colossians 9.26. Paul didn't know what he was doing. I just, I thought he should have expanded Colossians, but he didn't. It's 1 Corinthians 9.26. Paul says, therefore, I do not run like a man aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air with no purpose. He knew where he was going. You know, if you're going to build a building and you hire an architect, you better give that architect some direction that they're supposed to go in. You know, you may want a baseball field and he'd give you a bank if you don't tell him what direction to go in. When you get on a plane, the pilot or the flight attendant comes over the speaker and says, this is where this plane is going. This plane is going to Acapulco. So, if you're not going to Acapulco, you better get off the plane because that plane's going there whether you want to, want it to, or not. So, what flight are you on? Are you on the right flight? Because the flight plan is tied to the destination. If you don't know your calling or you're not searching for your calling, asking God, What is my calling? you might become like a pinball machine bouncing all over the place trying this, trying that just trying a bunch of stuff you might get to be 70 years old and still trying stuff because nothing has been tied to a destination and destination is directly tied to your calling the second issue that calling answers is the issue of stability in other words your circumstances will no longer control your decisions. I don't know if you can really see that up there, but two legs of that ladder are not on anything. And it's only that man holding that other man up. I don't think that's one very stable or if they made the best decisions. You see, a lot of us, when we get into that batter's box of life, we're not like Hank Aaron. We don't know why we're here. And any little thing can shake us up. The enemy comes along and attacks us, and we want to run away. We want to hide under the covers. You know, there's a sermon that I've given at Encounter and other places called, Facing the Goliaths in Your Life, Facing the Giants in Your Life. We are always going to face giants. And giants come in all different shapes and sizes medical giants, financial giants, spiritual giants, relational giants. And we are all of us in one of three stages, no matter what. We've either faced a giant, are facing a giant, or are going to face a giant. That's just the way that life is. Stuff comes up in our lives. The question is are you in your calling? because if you're in your calling which is ordained by God he will equip you to manage that stuff that shows up in your calling i mentioned paul you want to talk about a man that had to deal with some stuff whoo imprisonment shipwreck snake bites list goes on and on and on listen to romans chapter 8:35 who shall separate us from the love of christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. That sounds like some pretty bad stuff. He even goes on to say, for your sake we face death all day long and are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That sounds like a pretty bad day. But he then goes on in verse 37 and says, but in all things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Now, that sounds like a bit of a contradiction to me. We've got famine, nakedness, sword, wake up bad, noontime bad, dinner time bad, go to bed bad. But when I put my head down on the pillow, it has been a conquering day. You want to know why? Because our position in Christ overrules our circumstances. And this is true about your calling. Another way to to know that you're in your calling is that on the worst day of your calling, you still know you're called. You might have hell coming at you from all directions, but you still know that you are smack dab in the middle of what God wants you to be doing and where he wants you to be. And that means that you can keep on going because you have been called called in matthew chapter 8 jesus says to his disciples we're going to the other side of the lake and we all know what happened on the sea of galilee some bad stuff storm comes up disciples think they're gonna die they're scared jesus wake up we're gonna die don't you care jesus gets up says peace be still and looks at those disciples and says do you still not have faith jesus was kind of cold You see, sometimes we forget that Jesus is in the boat with us. And if God has called you somewhere, He's got you on a direct path to go somewhere, it doesn't matter what storms come up. Because Jesus said, we're going to the other side, and I'm going to equip you to get there too. Now some of you all may not want to hear this, but the Lord may allow the storm to happen to see if you believe the calling. Paul says in Philippians, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. It doesn't matter if the Dow's up or down. It doesn't matter if you got money in the bank account or you don't have money. It doesn't matter if the fridge is full or not full. It doesn't matter if there's a pandemic or no pandemic because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he told me we're getting to the other side. So I put my trust in him. I don't look at the storm. I don't look at my circumstances. I fix my eyes on Jesus. I turn my eyes up to the hill. Where does my strength come from? My strength comes from the Lord. Lastly, this is a big one. You know, this is a sermon on calling, but it's it's just as much a sermon about identity and who you are in Christ. It answers the issue of significance. So many people and Christians walk around, they're moping around, I'm insignificant, I'm not worth anything. Yes, you are. Remember, your calling was made only for you and nobody else. The word says we are imprinted on his hand. That's how important we are to him. You were made with all the bells and whistles. And you know what, I I cannot muster up enough truthfulness or honesty when I say this. God loves you so, so, so much. Bill said it last week, he's not mad at you, he's mad about you. And he really, really, really likes you he does. You're real special. You are. You're incredibly special. Now, I was only going to read verse 14. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139, and I know I got to get going. But just just listen. You ever feel you're not worth anything, you're insignificant? I'm going to start in in verse 7. Where can I go? to escape your spirit. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been, mine says, remarkably, fearfully, and wonderfully made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in the secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. And all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. That's how important you are and significant you are to the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you so much. And He's exact, you are exactly, He made you exactly how you're supposed to be. He gave you the right hair, He gave you the right eyes, He gave you the right features, He gave you the right giftings. God doesn't make junk. Now, God has allowed the good the bad and the ugly experiences to happen in your life so that they can facilitate your calling you know all that st- all this we've all been through stuff we've all had hurt we've all had pain but all that stuff that we've been through and say god why did you put me through this it's to help facilitate your calling You know, we all have scars. I've got many of them. When you find your calling and you know your calling, you can say with all confidence, Yeah, I've got scars. But you know what? These aren't woe is me scars. These are scars that tell the story of the cross. These are scars that tell a story of redemption and grace and mercy and forgiveness and healing. My personal scars tell a story of strongholds and chains of addiction that got torn down. That's what my scars tell. Now, listen God doesn't create sin, He doesn't cause sin but he can use sin for his greater glory. You hear this in Encounter a lot. God is the great recycler of pain. He can take any hurt, any junk, and he can recycle it, and he can make you a trophy of his grace. Now I want to close with this. Julie, you can come on up and get ready. We are all creatures of time. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time for everything. You see, God has a clock. Now, God's not obligated to the clock because God's eternal. He sits outside the clock. We are not eternal. So we sit inside the clock. Ephesians five fifteen and 16 says, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. How are you going to use your time? You see, it, if you don't know your calling, you might use your time unwisely. You might waste it, abuse it, not learn from it. You see, time is given for you to accomplish your calling. If God has ordained it that you live 85 years, he's given you 85 years to accomplish your calling, and he's given you enough time to do it. Now, maybe some of you in here might say, well, Ryan, uh, I got a problem. I wasted a lot of time. You know, I got saved when I was 15. I fooled around until I was 40, and now I'm 65, and I I don't know what to do. Well, you know what? I wasted time too. I wasted 18 plus years of my life as a prodigal putting all sorts of junk and stuff into my body that I shouldn't have put into it. But you know what? The word that I read tells me that the Lord can restore the years the locusts ate away and he can, because I'm a walking, talking testimony that he can. You can redeem the time. You can get back the time. So don't use wasting of time as an excuse. Now, maybe some of you here, maybe you're younger. You say, well, I just got started. How how do I find out what what my calling is? Turn back into, into Romans. Romans 8. You know, the word says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can make our petitions known. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, the door will be opened. Ask, it will be given unto you. The Holy Spirit speaks on behalf of the Father. The Holy Spirit speaks to us look at verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints, that's us, according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit will not speak unless it's on behalf of the Father. In verse 28, we know, we know all this to be true. We know that all things work together for the good of those that love God, who are called according to his purpose. You want to know what your calling is? Ask. I don't want to be somebody that has not because I ask not. So what we're going to do is Julie's going to play you want to find your calling, this altar is going to be open. Now, you could make an altar right there at your seat, but I would challenge you to come up and get on your hands and your knees and ask, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What task, what task do you have for me to accomplish? I'm going to pray for us, and then this altar is open. Holy Spirit, I felt your presence. I felt you. I've heard you speaking to my heart. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you speak to the hearts of your people. That you would call us, that you would silence every other voice, and only your voice be heard so close that we hear the whisper. thank you that you call us for such a time as this. Speak to your people. This altar is open. Please come and pray. I wouldn't be fulfilling my calling if I didn't ask the question, is is there anyone here today who would say, Ryan, I've never received the call to salvation. I've never asked the Lord to be my personal Lord and Savior. If that's you, would you be brave enough to raise your hand, anyone? sing a final song. It's Available. It's the name of the song. You know, so many times the Lord, I believe, just wants us to say here I am. I'm available. Here I am. Your servant is listening. These altars are still open. There'll be people on the side to pray with you. I'm going to pray one more time. And if there is still anyone out there who would say, I need to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I'll be down here by the, on the side of the steps. You can come find me. Father, we just want to be available to you, Lord. We want to say yes to you. Yes, Lord, whatever it is you have for us. We want to answer the call. Thank you that you love us so much that you knit us together in our mother's womb, that you call us in advance, and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship.
1: Follow where your spirit is.
0: We say yes, Lord. We say yes to your call, whatever that may be. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you empower your people this week. Lord, fill us up. That new wine, that new power, Lord, that we would be so close to you that we can hear the whisper. That you're the voice behind us telling us to go to the right, to the left, to slow down, to speed up. We say yes, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much that your spirit's been here today. Bless your people as they leave. I pray a hedge of protection around them, Lord. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Make sure to go pick up your children. If you need to pray, the altar is still open. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you're encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the CMS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.